0: One, two, I cast my mind to Calvary, where Jesus bled and died for me. I see his wounds, his hands, his feet, my Savior on that curse tree His body bound and drenched in tears they laid him down in Joseph's tomb the entrance sealed by heavy stone my son parade. We will sing your praise, O Lord, O Lord our God, O Lord, O Lord our
1: God. Isaiah 60 tells us that when the Lord's anointed, when his Redeemer, when the Savior comes, he's going to usher in a new day, a new day will dawn that drives out the deep spiritual and moral darkness that the world is in. but now the question is, how will this new day dawn? When this great Savior comes, what is he going to do? And so today we're going to look at Isaiah 61 verses 1 through 4 as it tells us that when he comes to usher in a new day, that will come through the spirit anointed ministry of the word. Here in this section, we get the Savior's job description. And we see that he's going to bring, and we see that that new day is going to be marked by a ministry of comfort, by the power of transformation, but also by judgment. See, when he comes, he comes bringing the year of the Lord's favor and the day of the Lord's vengeance. So let's look at Isaiah 61, 1 through 4 is what we'll meditate on today. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news, or proclaim good news, to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of our God's vengeance, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who mourn in Zion, to give them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, festive oil instead of mourning, and splendid clothes instead of despair. And they will be called righteous trees planted by the Lord to glorify him. They will rebuild the ancient ruins. They will restore the former devastations. They will renew the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. Now, when he comes, it says that he's going to bring both the Lord's favor and the Lord's vengeance. And what Isaiah sees here as one great messianic work, the Lord Jesus will divide into two, the salvation that he brings with his first coming, the year of the Lord's favor, and then the vengeance that he brings with his second coming, the day of vengeance. And chapter 61 here concentrates primarily on that time of favor. And above all, it focuses on the person who's going to bring in that new day. And it begins that the spirit of the Lord is upon him, and of course, through Isaiah, we've seen that in verse, or chapter 42, God promises that he will put his spirit on him. And then in chapter 11, he promises that when the great prophecy of the child's birth, that the spirit of the Lord will be upon him. And Isaiah gives us three different pictures. Chapters 1 through 35 gives us a picture of a coming Messiah. Forty through fifty-five give us a picture of the suffering servant, and then chapter sixty all the way to the end give us this picture of this great anointed conqueror. And here in this section really is the great theological breakthrough of Isaiah's vision in the very heart of the gospel, that the Messiah will come, but he must suffer and rise again. And the the only way that the year of the Lord's favor can be ushered in is through that suffering and resurrection. And it's actually here, this verse in Luke chapter 4, that Jesus takes up to announce the beginning of his ministry. It has begun. This passage beautifully depicts the work that Jesus came to do. So you notice a few things. Notice the source of his strength. It's because the Spirit of the Lord is upon him. He is the ultimate spirit-indwelt man. So that's the source. But notice the work he does go through and if you have a pen you can mark all the verbs from 61 verse 1 through verse 4 i wonder there's no coincidence there's seven of them and notice what he comes to do maybe the the great re the great work of recreation is because he's going to bring good news to heal to proclaim to proclaim to comfort to provide to to give this is the work of recreating And then notice the subjects, the recipients. Who does he do this work for? He comes, and it's good news, to the poor, healing the brokenhearted, the captives, the prisoners, those who are mourning the poor. They're the downtrodden, the disadvantaged, those who are helpless in themselves and at the mercy of either powerful people or adverse circumstances. Actually, every character we've seen as we've gone through Matthew chapter 8 and 9. He comes for the brokenhearted. That covers all human brokenness from the emotional or spiritual perspective, the internal, spiritual angle, the brokenhearted, the captives, the prisoners. One held captive by themselves, one held prisoner by others. And Then notice he brings, it's the year of favor and the day of vengeance. The year is a significantly longer time. Year of favor, day of vengeance. And then notice the results of his coming the incredible transformations, what gets transformed. He brings, it's no longer ashes, but a crown of beauty That's victory instead of mourning. Mourning is transformed by festive oil. It's garments of praise instead of garments of despair. That garment is an all covering wrap. It's symbolic, an outer, outward expression of your inward life. And then of the transformations, notice the movement. It's ashes on the head, then festive oil, and then garments of praise. It kind of moves from head to toe. And each of these things are beautiful, poetic description covering every aspect of life. Your whole life gets transformed. And then notice who they will be. See, they're first, they're given a new status, then a new name, and then they have new power. They get this new name. Do you see that? They will be called. Now, this is Passive an objective reality, something that can be seen. That's who they are. They are called this. And then that new name, what they're called, it signifies a new reality, a new nature, with new possibilities. And they become oaks of righteousness, trees, oaks, righteous. They're rooted. They're established. They're secure. They're going to be fruitful. And then notice in verse 4, what are they going to do now? They're the ones who are going to rebuild the ancient ruins, restore the former devastations, renew. They're healed and then empowered for an incredible rebuilding project, a restoration project, a renewing project. Jesus is going to usher them into the reality that this originally was God's good world. It was ruined by sin, redeemed by the Son, and being recreated by the Holy Spirit. And He's going to empower them to play their part in the rebuilding, the restoring, the renewing, the great recreation project. And you see the progression. It moves. How does it happen? It moves from healing to comfort, and then they're rooted, and then they're active. They rebuild they're unleashed for this great reconstruction project that's going to mend and restore every past breakdown, no matter how long. See that in verse four, it's the devastation of many generations. They'll be able to repair and restore, renew deep generational sins and wounds and broken. You can imagine what kind of comfort this would have given, given the Isaiah's original audience, or once this was heard when they were in exile, or how it had have been heard by those in the restored community who were trying to put Jerusalem back together. They might have wondered at these words, since the full identity of this individual was yet to be revealed. Nevertheless, it would have given them so much hope and encouragement in their particular situation. In a sense, with them, the year of the Lord's favor had begun. Release from captivity, return to their own land, a new start, even if it is small and feeble. They would begin to rebuild. But how much more encouragement can we draw from seeing that the year of the Lord's favor has begun in the work of Christ and we know so much more about who he is and what he came to do. And we see the power that these words taken up by Christ in Luke chapter 4, they can encourage us that today is a day of the Lord's favor. And they can challenge us for this is what we are to work for, to pray for, to seek the fulfillment of this great vision. So take heart today. Our prayer for the Tuesday of Holy Week. O Lord, our God, whose blessed Son gave his back to be whipped and did not hide his face from shame or the spitting, give us grace to accept joyfully the sufferings of this present time, confident of the glory that will be revealed through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.
0: Praise God from